0: Welcome to The Open Word, the online teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry, on today's episode. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw.
1: Will change our plans many times. How many of you in your life, God has changed your plans? Yeah, amen. Every, I think every one of us could probably attest to the fact God, I had a great plan. We don't want to start that argument, do we? No, because again, God's plans are always better. Paul now teaching, he's sharing the gospel, they're in the home of justice undoubtedly during the Sabbath day, but then throughout the week also sharing. Just as being a God-fearing Gentile, he would have been one that was attending the synagogue. He probably heard Paul as he taught there in the synagogue. Sometime during that time, most likely he had come to a saving knowledge of Christ.
0: Paul had a routine when he traveled to share the good news of the gospel. He'd teach in the synagogue of that town. However, when he went to corrupt Corinth, He was wholeheartedly rejected by the Jews in that city. So Paul trusted God and remained faithful and followed the new direction that God gave him. Today, Pastor David will remind you that Jesus' sacrifice is for all people. Paul knew salvation was for everyone and shared the hope of the gospel with the Gentiles. And many came to faith in Christ and were eternally saved. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Acts chapter 18 as he begins his message. Do not be afraid for I am with you.
1: We are in the book of Acts, we are in chapter 18. We've been here before, we're continuing on. We're gonna back up to the very beginning to kind of get a running start into where we're at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, turn if you would to Acts chapter 18, beginning in verse one. Acts 18, beginning in verse one. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontius, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome. And he came to them. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them, Paul stayed with them, and worked, for by occupation they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks." Well, as we shared in in previous weeks that uh, Paul had been in Athens, and when he went to Athens, he went on his own. His ministry partners, Silas and Timothy and any of the others, they had stayed back up into the city of Berea. Paul went to Athens on his own, and now here, coming into Corinth, he's still on his own. As we move into chapter 18, as Paul is coming into the city of Corinth, again, Corinth, another major city, and as we've shared a few weeks ago, it was a city that was known for its perversity, it was known for its wickedness, and here Paul is on his own without any of his ministry uh, assistance with him. But once he was in Corinth, after a short while, he came into contact with Aquila and Priscilla. Paul, by trade, was a tent maker, also a tent maker and a leather worker. They kind of all went together. Uh, It turns out that Aquila and Priscilla were also of that trade. And somehow, as Paul went through the city, he came upon probably their little shop and started an acquaintance with them. We believe that it's at this time, again, Paul not only began working with them, but probably was hosted at their home during this time. Paul probably, uh, from what we understand, would have shared Jesus Christ with them. As Luke introduces them, he just says that they were Jewish. But very soon we find out that they are believers, that they become believers, and they actually become fellow missionaries with Paul, and then they begin ministering on their own as well. In those early days there in Corinth, Paul continued on with his habit or his lifestyle. I, I hate that habit. Some people are in a habit of going to church on Sunday morning. I hope you're not in a habit of going to church. I hope that there is a desire and a passion and literally a lifestyle that says, hey, I wanna be with the people of God, be taught the word of God, and to corporately worship God together. But that was Paul's life. Every Sabbath day, he would find himself someplace in the synagogue. And so there in Corinth, he goes into the synagogue and we find out that while he's there, he begins sharing with them as they're studying through the scriptures how Jesus Christ is found throughout the scriptures of the Old Testament and that Jesus of Nazareth was actually the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. Now then, and we're not really certain how long it is from the time that Paul first came into Corinth until what we read in verse five, but we find that Silas and Timothy finally do, come and join him. Look at verse 5 with me. Then Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, or when they had come, Paul was compelled by the Spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. And when they opposed him and blasphemed, he took his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean, and from now on I will go to the Gentiles. Here in verse 5 when it speaks of silas and timothy coming to macedonia there's a little bit of information that actually luke doesn't give us right here we actually find it only in paul's letters his letters to the church in Corinth, and particularly the second letter to the church in Corinth, Paul brings out a little bit more information about what took place when Silas and Timothy came there to Corinth. When Paul wrote that second letter to the church in Corinth in chapter 11, verse 9, he wrote that when I, Paul says, when I was present with you, you, the church in Corinth, I was in need, but I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you, and so I will keep myself. When Silas and Timothy came from the churches the church of Berea, also the other churches that they had been at, Philippi, Thessalonica, and now then Berea, as they came from those churches which were known the churches of Macedonia, they brought with them support for the work of the ministry. Uh, again, that financial assistance. And once received that, it was at that point that Paul was able to step aside from the tent-making business and then devote himself completely, 100% full-time to the work of the ministry. Paul was a missionary. He was a church planter. He was a pastor and teacher, and his time was filled with the work of ministry. When Luke was sharing with us, now what what he's trying to get across to us here is, is that now that Paul has financial backing, that monetary gift that came from the churches there in Macedonia, he's able to again devote himself completely to the ministry of the word. Paul is now able again on a a daily basis to go all throughout the city of Corinth to be able to share with them the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And as he's doing this, as he's ministering to the multitudes there in Corinth, guess what gang, the enemy did not like it. The enemy of our souls did not like the fact that the gospel was penetrating the darkness of Corinth. And so he stirred up the hearts of those non-believing Jews that were in the synagogue. Look at verse six. And when they, the Jews, opposed him, and they blasphemed, Paul shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean, and from now on I will go to the Gentiles." Now guys, these are words straight out of the book of Ezekiel, the words of Ezekiel himself, when he spoke about that watchman on the wall that again, as the watchman on the wall saw the enemy approaching, his responsibility was to warn the city that danger was approaching. That is the job also of those that are sharing the hope of the gospel. We are to be watchmen on the wall, to warn of coming judgment. And Paul says, again, I have done what I was supposed to do. Your blood now is upon your own head because you've rejected the message and you've rejected the messenger. And so he goes and literally dusts off the the, the fellowship of these Jewish non-believers there in the synagogue, and he declared, now I'm going to turn my attention, we're going to turn the ministry to the Gentiles of the city. He had done the job of the watchman. He warned of the coming destruction. He shared with them the truth that salvation was found in Jesus Christ and in Christ alone, but they ignored it. They disdained it, they came against it, and now the consequences of their own rejection and of their own rebellion was on the heads of the Jews themselves. And as Paul went out of the synagogue, his ministry moved from being primarily to the Jews, now to the Gentiles all through the city. But an interesting point, look at what it says in verse seven. And he departed from there, he departed from the synagogue, and he entered into the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the very ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all of his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. You see the powerful thing that's going on right here. The, the ministry got moved, but it becomes a very positive thing. An important member of the synagogue, leader within the Jewish community, uh, Crispus himself, comes to saving faith in Christ in the midst of all of this. And now other Gentiles throughout the community, throughout Corinth, are coming to Christ. They're hearing, they're believing, they're being baptized. You have to understand, when we look at this, this unplanned, this what might have seemed to be an inconvenient uh, moved from the synagogue because they rejected him. They rejected him because of the hardness of their own heart. Well, that inconvenience, that unplannedness actually opened up the gospel in a greater way to the whole community. Because, again, Gentiles probably would not come into the synagogue, but it would be easy for them to come to Justice's house, Justice being a Gentile. So much that we could say about that. Again, how God... God will change our plans many times. How many of you in your life, God has changed your plans? Yeah, amen. I think every one of us could probably attest to the fact, God, I had a great plan. We don't want to start that argument, do we? No, because again, God's plans are always better. Paul now teaching, he's sharing the gospel. there in the home of justice, undoubtedly during the Sabbath day, but then throughout the week also sharing. Justice being a God-fearing Gentile, he would have been one that was attending the synagogue. He probably heard Paul as he taught there in the synagogue. Sometime during that time, most likely he had come to a saving knowledge of Christ. And as Paul then opens up the Old Testament scriptures, he still is showing these men that Jesus Jesus was the promised Messiah. Perhaps, again, from from the teachings uh, that that came from Paul, not only this God-fearing Gentile, but even Crispus, the, the synagogue ruler, came to a saving faith, the forgiveness of their sin, in understanding and recognizing the sacrificial death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not only for those two men, but multitudes throughout the city of Corinth were now coming to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, and the church is being birthed there in Corinth. The amazing thing about this, when, when you read this, you realize Justice's home was right next to the synagogue. As a matter of fact, if you've got the King James Version, the King James Version says it was joined hard to the synagogue. Uh, he could have been, even shared a wall. It's absolutely amazing how God had worked these things out. Long before Paul even got there, Justice was living next to the synagogue. His house wasn't down the street. It wasn't on the other side of Corinth. It wasn't out in the country. Long before Paul got there, Justice had this home right next to the synagogue. Justice became a God-fearing Gentile attending the synagogue, Here's the message, and now his home is open to the beginning of the church there in Corinth. I mean, think about it. You come to the synagogue this next Sabbath day, and out at the synagogue, all you see is a bunch of grumpy old men, because things are not going the way that they wanted it to go. But right next door, things are happening at Justice's house. There are people coming in. The hope of the gospel is being taught. I believe that there would be an excitement. There would be just the whole essence of what's going on at Justice's house would speak so dramatically opposed to what was going on in that synagogue. And because of that, those that were in the synagogue were so upset and angered against Paul. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, all of his household, many of the Corinthians, All of them coming. All of this, a powerful move of God. But yet, those Jews in the synagogue, they committed blasphemy. That's why Paul said, your blood is on your own head. How easily it would have been for Paul, when he got to push back at the synagogue, to say, okay, see you later, and leave Corinth. I mean, Corinth was a dark city. It was a wicked city. It wasn't a place that you would really choose to be, but God. God had called Paul to be there in Corinth. God provided an open door for the gospel. Even if it wasn't through the Jews and there in the synagogue, even through the fact that, again, the pushback was there, Paul remained faithful to continue to proclaim the hope of the gospel. And even though there remained that continued threat Paul remained obedient to God's call in his life. And at some time during that stay in Corinth, God had brought the apostle some really strong encouragement. Look at verse nine. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. Do not be afraid, but speak and do not keep silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you for I have many people in this city. Why do you think God would tell Paul, do not be afraid? Well, the clear understanding is is because Paul was probably afraid. I mean, it was a dark city. There was a lot of attack. There were a lot of threats that were going on him. But the Lord came to him in a vision, says, Paul, do not be afraid. I am with you. No one is going to attack you, to hurt you. And oh, by the way, I have many people in this city. There was a plan and a purpose of God to bring many within that darkness of Corinth to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid. What a word, what a phrase that is. I am with you. What a confidence that had to be for Paul at that point in time. It never ceases to amaze me how fearful we can be. Okay, how fearful I can be. Maybe you're not fearful, I don't know. But I think if you're honest with yourself, I think every one of us, through life, fear has come into our life for one thing and another. Now, I'm not talking about fear of walking out to take the trash out at night and you're afraid something's gonna jump out at you. Okay, that's one of my little fears. Uh, but I'm, I'm talking about the fear of stepping out, fear of doing the right thing, fear to share your faith with someone, fear to speak out about injustices that are happening, fear to, to stop a vile wickedness that you see taking place, or even just the fear of trusting God in the midst of hard times. I mean, stuff happens in our lives that we have absolutely no control of. And fear comes into our lives. Beloved, you need to understand that when those events happen in life, you are not alone. You are not alone. And it's not just your pastor that says, do not fear. It's not just your best friend that comes alongside of you that says, hey, don't worry about it. I'm here with you. No, these are the words of the Lord himself. This is the confidence that we can have when we hear Jesus's very words, when he declares, I will not leave you comfortless. It's the hope that we have when we know that Jesus told us, I'm with you always, even to the end of this age. It's the encouragement that we have when we remember that the Lord declared, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. You know, there's enough evidence in the testimony of the saints down through the ages as well as the testimonies we read in the scriptures, that you and I should be able to, as believers, believers in Christ, believers in the word of God, we should be able to stand in confidence Every time we seek to do the will of God or whenever we desire to speak out the truth of God, we ought to be able to do that in the fullness of confidence, that we can stand with that confidence knowing that God is standing with us and that God is empowering us to be able to do his will. Do you realize that God will never lead you into something that he will not empower you? That as he directs us in our lives by the power of his Holy Spirit, he will empower us, he will gift us, he will strengthen us to be able to do. That doesn't necessarily make it easy, does not necessarily make it a comfort, but beloved, it is a confidence that you and I can have that he is with us and his strength will surround us. I want you to think and understand. What does it mean, do not be afraid, do not fear? I did a real quick search of that, a Bible search of those two phrases, just those two phrases. Do not be afraid, do not fear. And I can tell you at this point with just those two phrases, do not be afraid, do not fear, we could do a multitude of weeks, just a a study of those throughout the scripture. And that's not to mention words like, don't be anxious, don't worry, don't have doubt. But just dealing with those two phrases, do not be afraid and do not fear, we all need to understand that God spoke those very words directly to multitudes of individuals within the word. Multitude of individuals that you and I look up as, man, those are the strong ones within the Word. Those are the powerful ones that we find within the Bible. Those that are in, listed in that roll call of the faithful of Hebrews 11, but a multitude of others as well. God spoke those words of do not be afraid, do not fear, I am with you. He spoke those words to Abraham. He spoke those words to Isaac. He spoke those words to Rachel. He spoke those words to Jacob, to Moses and Joshua. He spoke it multiple times. To Joshua, it's amazing. Moses spoke those words to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. The people spoke to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. And God spoke to Joshua, do not be afraid, be of good courage. And you think, wow, was this guy like afraid? Yeah, I think so. He's feeding a multitude of hard-headed, stiff-necked people into a promised land against what they already know. Yes, there's giants in the land. There are walled and armored cities in that land. No wonder he was fearful, but God told him, don't be afraid. I'm going before you. I'm fighting the battles for you. Do not fear. Gideon and and the other judges, we find those same words, do not be afraid. Many of the kings of Judah, again, the good kings of Judah, the the southern kingdom, God had to speak those words to. Men like Jehoshaphat, when the armies were coming against him, so outnumbered the, the, the army of Judah. And what did Jehoshaphat fight the enemy with? Praise be the Lord. His mercy endures forever. Praise you the Lord. His mercy endures forever. His weapon against the enemy was praise to God.
0: Open our hearts. Change us from within by the open word. That's all we have time for on today's edition of the open word. Pastor David has been teaching through the book of Acts, introducing you to the early church and how they were radically changed by an encounter with the Holy Spirit. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can listen to more editions of The Open Word. Here's Pastor
1: David. I'm so glad you tuned in today to The Open Word. As you know, this broadcast is meant to share with you the hope, grace, and love that can only be found through Jesus Christ. Would you like to listen to more of them? Well, just visit TheOpenWord.com. You'll be directed to our Facebook page where we're adding all of my previous messages for you to listen to for free. Be sure to like and follow that page and feel free to share it with your friends. That website, again, is TheOpenWord.com.
0: Thanks, Pastor David. We'd like to take a moment before we close and ask you to consider partnering with us here at The Open Word. Would you pray for us and for our listeners? We know the enemy attempts to hinder the truth of the gospel from being spread. He will stop at no cost to prevent even one heart from turning to Jesus. Thanks for partnering with us in this, and thanks for listening to The Open Word. Do you live in Casa Grande? If so, we'd love to meet you. Come join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande on Saturday at 6.30 p.m. or Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Directions can be found at theopenword.com. That's all for today. Thanks again for tuning in and for praying for The Open Word.